Hello, legends. Welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today, I catch up with Cub team member Calvin Chulchik, who, with the recent launch of the CBD Clubhouse, has risen and progressed. What I'm proud to say to be my business partner. Uh, me and Calvin have an incredible conversation. I think mostly what we discuss, uh, other than launching the clubhouse, is career progression and how, as a founder, you can find and, I guess, grow a business partner, people who are essential to your growth and expansion. It was a brilliant conversation. Enjoy the show. Calvin, um, we're here today to celebrate a big milestone uh, for our company and, of course, for yourself, the launch of our HQ CBD Clubhouse, which you are now a business partner of. I mean, people have been hearing about the CBD Clubhouse, the CBD Clubhouse. You know, we almost got a few before. We had we had locked one space in. We lost that space. A lot of jokes here. It's gone now. Like, oh, and you want to, we've really been dragging people along. Daniel, are you actually getting a sick CBD clubhouse or are you just talking shit? Well, listen up, ladies and gentlemen. I talk a lot of shit, but I fucking back this shit up and we just locked in an iconic building uh, and an iconic space for our CBD clubhouse. And I'm here today to launch the shit out of it with my business partner, Calvin Chilchick. How's it feel to just business partner Calvin Chilchicks. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's hugely exciting. It's something obviously that I've been working towards I feel since the day that I started in a in, in my career and obviously to have it kind of eventuate now um, as you say, you know, it's been a journey and it's been something that we've had to be patient about and we've been talking about for a long time, but yeah, now that the moment's arrived, you know, it's it's all signed, sealed and delivered. It's uh, it's hugely exciting. Well, we have logged I mean, let, let me describe for you where the best, best, biggest brands, best companies in the CBD are. Yeah, you got Apple, which is just there on George Street, near the corner of George and King. You have Louis Vuitton, which is then just there on the exact corner of George and King. And then you have Cub or the Club of United Business on the top level of the Louis Vuitton building, just there on George and King with all the big dogs, with all the big brands, because that's exactly what our members deserve, a big beautiful, iconic building as a clubhouse. So next time you go to the Louis Vuitton building, look up. On top of that building, there is a beautiful glass cube. We have taken out the the uh, top level of an iconic building, which is occupied, completely occupied by Louis Vuitton right there on George and King. Another cool fun fact, which absolutely has um, was not planned whatsoever. We currently have three clubhouses the first one is on King's Crossroad. The second one is in Melbourne on Queen Street. And now the new one is on King Street. So we're King, double King Queens. We just need a Prince Street. Is there a Prince Street in the city? That'd be fucking mad. Yeah, so the address is the seventh, <laughs> seventh level Louis Vuitton building. Uh, should we just give it a bit of a clap? It is very sexy. It feels like it's exactly where we need to be. It felt like home from the second we walked in there, I think. Oh, without a doubt. And because we were, I mean, there's a lot of, there's, a, oh, can, can I just go in a bit of the details? Because I've been, I've been there all day today with the designer, the fit out people and just walking through the space. Actually, today is the day we actually took 
occupancy of it. So it's kind of cool that it's the day we're doing the, the podcast episode for it. But but it's it's beautiful. You walk in, beautiful timber flooring, floor to ceiling windows wrapped around the entire space. We're gonna have two huge boardrooms. If you're gonna be in a cub boardroom, it's gonna feel like a cub boardroom. They're gonna be monsters. You've got 12 person boardrooms with views overlooking George Street and King views Street. Views are the best part. Oh, imagine. Imagine. I can't wait. I just sit at the end of one of the tables and just feel mad. Um <laughs> We've even we've even done a CEO executive executive office for Calvin and myself, which um, is actually going to be for members. <laughs> so it's for us in that we're designing it because we're designing the way we like it. But members are going to be able to book the CEO office and impress important clients there. Not all members. Because you have to, like, you know, there's ways you've got to do it. They're members that win the infamous MVM award. But whatever, there's a CEO office which members are going to have the ability to utilise to impress clients. And this thing's going to be off its head as well. So, I mean, oh, what a journey. It took us almost eight months or maybe longer. What's the month now? Yeah, about eight months to find the space. And... And I just think we nailed it because we were looking at the the um, the corporate towers, Governor Phillip, um, Governor Macquarie. We looked at Grosvenor Place. We almost got one in there. We we lost, we lost, we actually lost that one, thank God, because we would have missed the one we got now. And I think what's really special about the space we're in that we've gotten you know, on the top level of the Louis Vuitton building, on the corner of George and King, is that the building itself is actually owned by a great. I won't say his name because I haven't got his permission to talk about it, but he's a great Australian entrepreneur, uh, a property entrepreneur who owns huge amounts of property uh, up in and around the city, especially in King Street. And the fact that we're in a great entrepreneur's building as opposed to being in like a corporate tower owned by some fund or sovereign or whatever, a superannuation thing, you know, we're in an entrepreneur's building. And then on top of that, the whole rest of the building is Louis Vuitton, their private spaces, their shop, their, all that type of stuff. And Louis Vuitton is owned by one of the greatest entrepreneurs on the planet, the owner of LVMH, Mr. Bernard know. So we are just in the entrepreneur's space and I fucking loved that about this space. Um, sorry, I reamed on a bit. No, it's, it, it is. It's very fitting. I mean, I think, as you say, we went and looked at a couple of those, um, those very corporate spaces and, yeah, I think we were all a little bit excited and, and maybe – um, we were close. Were I, I was excited and we were close to pulling trigger on, on, on a few things and they were great spaces, but yeah, as you say, thankful that we didn't because we waited and we, we, we got what we wanted in the end. So mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's a hugely exciting space and a hugely exciting project and I, I can't wait to get started. Yeah. And, and, and just for all the members and listeners, uh, Calvin's, um, like we, like we said, Calvin's now a business partner. He's the head of this, of this clubhouse and, um, it's going to be all you, um, Doing, we're really doing everything, you know. Like it, it, it's yours to it's yours to to grow and operate, and and um, I guess it's just the beginning. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, let's talk about like a few of the things we wanted to talk about in today's podcast. Is hey, we wanted to launch the, the the new space because we've been dragging it around. I've been posting like a sneaky Instagram shots here and there, but we've been kind of keeping it under the wraps for um, since we've been negotiating really the the, the lease. Um, but one thing I want to talk about, a few things I want to talk about. One was, I guess, your story, mm-hmm. um, which is a very 
which is a story from you know, accidentally stumbling into the company and rising to, to partnership, which is a story that uh, I think is very fitting to many entrepreneurs because not all business owners are the founders. You know, most or a lot of business owners are, are business owners. They, you know, they, they come in and they're needed in order to grow or expand the business. Um, and so I, I think speaking about that concept of founders and business owners and the relationship and the necessity, necessity between the two and how it makes it easier to grow, I think that's a really cool – um, really cool concept we've never discussed on on the show, but also uh, talking about your personal story, how we, you know, how many new men, mm-hmm. how 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 it, it it's all happened. Um, that's yeah, what and I guess your about. your your management of me throughout this process as well, and in, in getting to this point. Yeah, well, we can talk about relationship between founders and and business partners and things like that. But let's talk. So, I mean, when did you? Where, where were you when you first heard of Cub? Yeah, so I mean, as you said, Cub kind of fell on my lap just by chance. I previously worked in a in a business um, for close to five years. Um, it was a retail business, a toy retailer, um, and in the time I was there, we went from five to twenty five sto- uh, five to twenty five stores. Um, the great experience for me in that business was that I got to work very closely with the owner and the founder of the business, who was an exceptional operator um, to this day. You know one of the best operators I've ever met and, and, and will always will always hold him in very high regard for what he did for me. Um, and I guess in that business, I got to really spread my wings and work across every area of that business and, and see from the inside out um, what it looked like to scale and grow something. Um, and I think as my time kind of progressed in that business, what I realized was I wasn't really passionate about retail or toys or anything of that nature, but what I was passionate about was business. And entrepreneurship. Um, and I guess when I left that business, I didn't really know uh, where I was going to go because I didn't, I, I dropped out of university. I didn't have a degree um, because I had spread across so much of that business. I also didn't have any really specific areas that I could niche into and apply for jobs. Um, and I saw, I was a bit nervous at that point, but I also did have some consider- consideration into potentially starting my own business. Um, I guess in and around that time, a friend of mine or a mutual friend of ours introduced us. Should we give um, him a shout out? Yeah, Ash, Mad- Ash Mazabo, a good mate of mine. I went to school with him. Dan knows him from a, from around town. And yeah, I think you, you had posted something on LinkedIn um, and Ash sent me a message and said, bro, you should look at this. This is a great opportunity. And so I jumped at it straight away. Um, me and you had met and I didn't really know anything about Cub at that time. I'd never really heard about it before. But what I did love right from the get-go was, I guess, two things. It was A, obviously it was built around entrepreneurship, which was something that I was very passionate about at the time. And B, it's a small business. So I knew that I had the opportunity to come into that business and grow with that business. Um, And I guess at that time, and still is uh, hugely important to me, that's exactly what I was looking for. And uh, so me and you just, I mean, me and you met, but what... What uh, I don't know if people know is that you actually came in f- as a marketing manager. <laughs> You're like, oh, hey, um, yeah, I, I want to be the marketing manager. I was like, mate, you've never had a marketing job in your life because we weren't looking for what we, I think we were, we had, we were looking for a marketing Yeah, that was, manager. that was the role that you were looking for. And so I had obviously, like I said, I got to dabble in a lot of different areas in that business that I was in prior to Cub. Um, and one of the areas that I played around in was marketing. I was no expert by any means, um, but I saw the opportunity and I went for it. Uh, we met and I think straight 
from the get-go, you said to me I wasn't right for that role. You were looking for somebody a bit more high level and with a bit more experience. Uh, but I guess, yeah, you probably saw something in me uh, that fit the culture of the business. And so you offered me a job as a salesperson. Uh, and I had never done sales before. And yeah, I, I, I think I was always the type of person that people said should go into sales. I've, I've always been very personable. Relationships throughout my whole life have been my strength. And I guess I never really saw how that fit into a business sense until I found sales. Um, and so, yeah, came into that role, threw myself into into the uncomfortable uh, and, and learned very quickly. I guess, you know, in, in roles like sales, you don't learn unless you do. Um, and so that's, I guess, how the, how the journey started. I, w- I want to talk about a few things. The first is that we still actually haven't filled that marketing manager's role. So <laughs> <laughs> if anyone knows someone, that'd be great if you could connect us. Um, and we definitely probably do need it. So um, feel free to, to, to contact um the Sydney Clubhouse, and and if you know anyone, I'm being legit. Please do. Uh, the the other thing is that you said that yeah, okay, maybe the role you applied for was not the best fit. But a concept that we should probably speak about is the concept of seeing somebody that is uh, an owner, seeing a culture. A, it's a there's a culture fit, but there's also a culture fit and a type of person that you think this person could do anything really. They could be kind of successful at, at whatever they do. They're, they're not just smart and capable, but they're also willing to put in the work. And and as a founder, when you start a business, that's what you are. You just kind of fucking do everything, you, you know. you So you know, okay, well, it is possible for someone to kind of do anything. And, you know, I, I know of members when they first started their businesses, they used to like Google how to do X, how to build a website, how, like you know, anyone can do anything these days. And as a founder, you know that because odds are you've done that. And when you meet someone that's a culture fit and you can see this person is like you, they're ambitious and they've got the ability and the will. There's, there's the ambition, the ability, and I think the will is different than the ambition because ambition, people are like, oh, yeah, ambitious, I want to be rich or I want to be successful. But if you don't have the will to actually go fucking do it, you're not. So – and I saw that and I think that that's an interesting thing to talk about because, you know, someone could be completely irrelevant to a specific job but they could be great for your company as a whole. You know, it's about ident- – is this person willing to, to put in the work and will they find a way to be an asset? Mm-hmm. A great person and an ambitious, smart person will find a way to be an asset. They, they, they're like you. You always, as a, as a founder, as an owner, you'll find a way to make it happen. You know, a, a great team member will find a way to be an asset. And, and those are the people you want to keep lifting and keep lifting because for every billion-dollar business, there's plenty of millionaires and there's plenty of successful people. Now, it's not all about money, obviously, particularly in our business because we do the most beautiful thing uh, God has created, which is allow human beings to build beautiful friendships and relationships. Right? As far as business businesses having a great purpose and a great impact on positive impact on society, we're at the top. But but also with success, there's there's um uh, there's finances. And finances are particularly important to talk about when it comes to um finding and and uh you could call it keeping the best people, mm-hmm. other owners. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't do that, you will lose the best people. And as one owner you can only accomplish so much. You know, like any big company, there's, there's owners in these companies mm-hmm. because for a company to get bigger and 
mm-hmm. next level, next level, next level. You need to you need people to to own things, yeah, to run things. One hundred percent. And and I guess I'll, I'll touch on kind of two points that you made there. I think the first thing is I did learn to be very resourceful in that, in that, you know, you talk about business owners, Googling this and that and learning um, just, just, just from, just from trying to be resourceful. That's how I helped scale that business. I never got taught anything. I never got babied. I never got babysat. Um, I had to go and figure things out. And so I think, you know, over time that resourcefulness just builds into who you are Mm. um, as an operator. And so that, that was always something that I felt very comfortable in because it, it's all I knew. Um, the, the, the second thing that I'll touch on, you know, in the point that you made about, I guess, employees acting as owners um, or becoming owners, and obviously this is what's led me to this point, is that it's something that I've always been very conscious of. I, I, I think there's a lot of ways to success. And I think entrepreneurship and, and being a founder is very, it's, it's glorified these days. It's, it's sexy. It's like being a rock star. You know, but it's not the only way to become successful. And I feel like I, from the get-go, had the self-awareness to understand that, okay, if I can become indispensable in a business, if I can show, you know, a lot of value to the people that I'm, I'm working for, and if I, can be learned, if, if I can learn to be a very skilled number two or number three in the business, there's a huge opportunity to grow and, and become an, an eventual owner. And that's something that I was conscious of from the day dot, it's something that I learned to do very well working under my previous employers because there were two founders and I was the guy beneath them. Um, and when, when I came into Cub, I found myself in a very similar position. And I think from the get-go, I looked at it and I said, okay, this is a small team. This is a business that's extremely ambitious, that wants to get big. And like you said, they're going to need people to help them do that. So my opportunity to grow in this business is big. And now it's time for me to put my head down earn the respect of everybody um, and put myself into a position where that opportunity becomes possible. Yeah. And I I like what you said too, because there are multiple ways, like we've got members who are founders and we've got members who are business owners. Um, And, and I think the only distinction between the two is one started the business and the others became owners as the business grew and and was necessary. Um, And, and I like what you said is that like the founders do get glorified and the founder has the lion's share. And the only reason, it's like gambling. The bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. The founder put up the financial uh, risk. The founder probably went through the first bullshit years that all suck. Um, and and it, once that's done, there's time, that you, there's need and room for, for owners to, to come in. And, and there's no one better system than the other because they, they both have their benefits. So as a, you know, as a listener... And now, I mean, like I said, many listeners are, are business owners, many many are, are founders, but but there's, there's probably lots of people who are not yet either. And when you're thinking about, you know, which one do I want to do, you could you, you think about, okay, well, do I want to take the big risks, try to take the time and the finance for the potential fail, but the biggest reward, or do I like the idea of coming to a business, being an integral part of its huge success? Um, coming in at the right time, devoting myself as an owner, and 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 um, having a great reward in in its own, and that you know, they're two different paths that people can 
And you know what's kind of a weird topic because no one ever talks about that. I've never, I've never heard. Yeah, well, because it's a, it's a, it's a relationship that that's an interesting relationship. And I think, I think, um, you know, between that that employee and employer and that eventual kind of path to becoming an, an owner in the business. But I think one thing that you mentioned there um, that I guess I'd like to speak about from from my point of view is that that you use that word devoted. Um, I think it, it's it's a it's a prolonged journey, and it's a journey where you have to be really patient and you have to sometimes take setbacks and not get the glory when, you know, people on top of you are getting the glory. It's a journey where I suppose you have to really devote yourself to the business um, when you might not be rewarded in ways, you know, that you, you want to be rewarded. Um, and you have, yeah, to you have act, to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice. You have to act as if you own the business, even when you might be the lowest on the payroll. You know, like when I started at my previous job, I was pretty much straight out of university. Um, you know, I wasn't getting paid a lot of money. I wasn't getting paid, you know, I, I, it wasn't a glorified role. However, I always acted in the best interest of the business. I always acted as if the business was mine. And when you do that day in and day out, eventually you come to a point where you're so valuable to that business um, that these opportunities present yourself. And I think the same thing happened when I came into Cub. Um, you know, I think you, you, you will attest to that, that I never look, I never look at myself as an employee of a business. I look at myself as part of that business. Like that business is a part of me. Um, and I think that's it. That, that, that's something that maybe people don't think about when, you know, they're going into a business and want to become something. I think a lot of the time people are pretty entitled and they think that they are Especially owed something from days. the get-go. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I've heard so many stories of guys going into businesses um, and asking for equity straight off the back. You know, it's, it's, it's not something you can ask for things, but your, your, your employer or your founder is not going to respect you if that's the way that you go about things. I agree. And also like as, what, as far as I'm concerned, if you want to own a piece of this business, you must have sacrificed something. Otherwise you have no, nothing to lose. You know, you've either had uh, like, you know, you've either sacrificed um, working as hard as an owner for, for years and not having the financial rewards in that time and also making yourself crucial for expansion. The company can't expand uh, without you. That's, that, that's sacrifice. I've worked like an owner for, for years without the reward and potentially even with a low wage, it doesn't matter. Obviously it's not your case, but I'm just saying in general, yeah. like th that's a sacrifice. Uh, it, it's like buying in. You've bought in. You've proven. I've I've sacrificed. Here's my here's my blood. Take it. Like I've given blood, blood, sweat, and tears. Take it. Um, just blood would be weird, but apparently blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> but um, um, and, and that's my that's my part. And I think I mean you were speaking from from your point of view, which is as the person coming in and and making yourself essential and and being having your mindset of being an owner. But from the founder point of view. You, you you love these people. This becomes like, when you're a business owner, people become like angels. Like it, it almost seems as though like in your biggest time of need when you need someone or you, you're looking for saying, somehow someone comes across you and you're like, wow, this is an angel. Like they're going to, that, that's who I'm, I need. That's what I'm looking for. That, that's what's going to help us get from here to here. And, you know, these angels they show you that, that you can see them and you see yourself in them. You're like, wow, that's this person is just like me. I, I, I want them to be with me. I, let's grow this business together. And I, I'm yammering on. I'm perhaps not being very specific, but do you understand what I'm saying? A hundred percent. But I think what the interesting, the interesting kind of element of that conversation is, 
well, then how do you manage that? Because I think the way that you've managed me into this, into this, I guess, opportunity and, and into where I'm at now in the business um, has been exceptional. Uh, you know, I have to say, I think we kind of, you, you knew the type of person I was when I started. And I think we had, you know, conversations about where I wanted to end up from the get-go Pretty much, pretty I much know, from did day we? one. Because I, I, I don't even, I, I can't remember. I mean, I can't remember that. What I remember thinking is because I don't think we actually had a really um, in-depth progression conversation at the start. And really, ever, I think it's always been more of a um, implied, like this is what, this, okay, well, we're working this hard. We're doing this together. We work well together. Well, it's implied that. That's what's in my head anyway. That was just kind of like, well, that's what's going to happen. That's obvious. I think it is important to have the conversations. But, I mean, we really only recently in the past year started doing that. Before that, it was more like, you know, because I also don't think you want to come in and as a new person to the business and be like, ah, this is what I want. No, they absolutely sound not. Like, absolutely not. Actually, mate, I just did six years of fucking hell. A hundred percent. And I think you're right. We didn't even that, – that conversation wasn't even – it wasn't even a conversation until at least a year in. And, and, and I guess it wasn't a conversation until you had plans to scale and then needed people to help you scale. And I think you're right. That is very important. And it's something that I was always conscious of is not to come in all guns blazing and demand things because mm. that's ridiculous. And it's almost offensive. It is offensive. Right? It's a hundred percent offensive. Yeah. And, and, and you've got to earn, you've got to earn your way through the business. But I do think that when that conversation started happening there was a set plan as to how we get there there were set times there were set dates there were there were kpis and every step of the way the promises that were promised were were met and I which think is very important hugely important i think from from an employee's point of view that and i've said this to you you know in in in, in private conversations well business partners point of view yeah. now <laughs> it's um it, it makes you it makes you hungrier, it makes you more loyal, and it makes you believe that, you know, when you're getting told certain things that they are going to eventuate. Um, and that makes a huge, huge, huge difference. So, I, you know, I think if if there are a lot of founders listening to this conversation, you know, a big thing in, in career progression and to keep your employees hungry is to actually deliver on your promises. Because if you don't, it's going to go completely the other way. Those people might leave you and they might not say very good things about you when they do leave. And, and nobody also, wants that. And also they won't trust you in terms of, you know, if you say, oh, have we achieved this? You know, if you say we all get bonuses, if we hit this, they're like, yeah, that may or may not happen. So I'm not that inclined to yeah, do exactly it. Yeah, exactly right. I think that's that's yeah. a great lesson. Keep your word. If you say it, just do it. You have to do it. Like that. that's that's what you do. I, I do like the – I do like the um, – the idea of of if someone comes in and just automatically just tells you, "Hey, I want to be a partner one day," you're like, "Well, relax, bro," or, or "Gal, um, what's the what's bro for a girl?" I don't know. I don't know. We shouldn't be using bro. <laughs> we shouldn't be using bro anymore. Anyway, it sounds too young. We're, we just did a brand update. We've yeah. got a nice big city office. We should probably get a little more mature. But but um, it's like, well, relax. It's kind of like offensive. Like if someone does that, they're probably going to be a problem in the future. But if someone comes in and you're the founder, someone comes in, they make themselves um, incredibly, they they find a way to be a huge asset. They prove that they're capable to do multiple things. Then the progression, as the company grows, the natural progression is that you continue growing with these people and you, you know, you, you, you bring them up with the company. If the company gets bigger, as the founder, your share's bigger anyway. 
yeah, you're already get bigger anyway. Why do you care? You, you should want everyone around you to have to have heaps of money and to have uh, heaps of. It's not the. It's not even the. I, I keep saying money, but it's not that. It's also the self esteem, the respect, the 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 pride, the. It's more so the feelings, you know, of 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 um of accomplishment. That, that, that that's more the thing. You want everybody to have that because that's what makes people happy, and 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 it just becomes this big unstoppable happy army that doesn't actually kill people. It's just happy. They, <laughs> they just murder sales and retention. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. I think um, all those things that you mentioned is what I've always been after. It's, it's, you know, it's building something special. It's legacy. It's having my peace in that. Um, and it's doing all the things that you need to do on a day to day basis to get yourself to that point. And I've always felt like the money would just follow, you know, it's not something that I've always kind of worked towards obviously i want money everybody wants money um, and it, it. yeah and it's and that's a huge it's, it's a huge part of my ambition but for me i've always felt like if you can prove yourself to be hugely valuable grow with the business help it scale get it to a point where it is successful um then then then, then the finances follow and the money follows yeah you know something cooler yeah you know i'm obsessed with the michael jordan documentary yeah yeah so i was never a michael jordan fan i watched the documentary and all of a sudden he's like my hero, which is pretty much most people that watch that. But in that he's like, when he was talking about the sponsorships and the things, he says, he goes, yeah, all that stuff came because of my performance on the court because I all I did was focus on being the best at what I do. And as a business and as a business owner, you should, think, you should be thinking, what do I do? You know, what, what is it that I actually do? And what do I want to be the best at? And if you focus so hard on just being the best at what you do, money obviously comes. Basically what you were saying. It's like money is not the goal. Being the best at what you do is the goal. Because when you're the best, money then comes. 100%. And it's it's not easy along that journey. I mean, like I said before, you know, you're not always making money. And, And let's forget about the money for a second as well you take a lot of criticism along the way from people who don't actually understand the position you're in. Like I I can't tell you how many times I've had people in my life, friends, you know, acquaintances, whoever it might be being like, bro, what are you doing? Get the equity, get the, get the contract signed. Like, you know, have the conversation, do this, do that. And, And I always knew in my head, no, you've got to wait. You've got to do this at the right time. You've got to prove your worth. You've got to, make sure that everything is in place in order for this to kind of happen. And it's not easy when you're going along that journey and you're getting all these, these little nibbles in your ear, you know, about what to do and how to do it. But you do have to just stay the course. And as you said, make sure that you're turning up every day, doing the work, doing it well. And eventually these things, they come to fruition. Well, yes, there is, there is that. There is making yourself an essential piece of expansion. Um, that's essential. But, but also like with people saying that comes that this is kind of a bigger question. Do you trust and believe in the founder? Because that's another one because, you know, obviously I mean, you have a great relationship and, and, um, you know, if I say something, I always do it, but that's all, that's not always the case with people. So sometimes, I mean, never bring it up too early, but, yeah, sometimes it is what okay. What's the deal? Let's write it down. The deal, you know. So having it agreed yeah. is good. But but also, if you don't trust your founder, 
if you think he's going to fucking screw you or she's going to screw you, you shouldn't be working. And you shouldn't season. be, yeah. why would you want to be partners with them? You know, yeah. if you can see that the person you're working with screws people, that's obviously not, unless you're a scumbag yourself, you might be like, Oh man. Yeah. But, but if, if you're a normal, just good human being and you can see that, you know, your boss steps on people to, or, or, Sorry, the founder steps on people, or, or, or doesn't honor his word or her word, or doesn't do this. You know, do I really want to be a part of this? Is this going to be? I might, I might cut my losses here and find someone else. Yeah, that, no, hundred percent more aligned to me culture. But, but I think it's interesting because I guess at the end of the day, you never know until you know, right? So, like in our situation, and it's interesting talking about this on a podcast now because we've actually never spoken about we've it. We've never spoken about it before. But in our situation, like. You know, we have a great relationship and I, I've trusted you from day one, but I would never have known whether you were going to deliver on your promises until you delivered on them. And so once you deliver on them, that's when, you know, like I said, the trust and the loyalty just grows and grows. For me- well, I think it's confirmed. It's confirmed. Yeah. And for me, I think I'm, I'm the type of person that the trust is there until it's broken. So, you know, I, th I think you have to, in some way- put some trust in people. It can't all be, you know, about yourself. Other people play a part in this, in this journey. And so the trust was there. And once the promises get delivered on it, like you say, it is confirmed. I think trust, this is getting real deep now, <laughs> but like, I think like as a business owner, I don't think you can just trust people. You know, I, I, I certainly don't. I wouldn't like, like, I'm not saying not to about you, but I'm like, it, it, it can't just be trust. It, there's also this element of hope because it's like a ho like you have to measure it. You know, you can't just trust someone's going to do something. You have to take ownership over every aspect of the business. And you know, even if that person doesn't do it, well, you you know, there's it's a funny. There's a lot of intricacies in the way that this stuff goes down because there's trust. Then there's let's get something on paper. There's hope. There's you know, there's a lot of elements that come into this thing happening. Mm. And it is, it, it's a game almost, you know, you've got to play the game in the right way. You've got to have the conversations at the right time. And it's, it's, it does have to be very measured. It's important. And, and you know what else I liked? Uh, I was talking about more just trust in general as a business owner with anyone, but just back to the, what you were saying um, and what we did quite well as well and what we are doing is that it, the person has to prove themselves as well. It's not like you don't just hand out equity like it's fucking candy. This shit's expensive. There's millions of dollars going into it and, and it, more so it's the stress and the, the time that's taken to get there. Like let's say you're a business owner, you're a founder, and one of the team is just, you know, they've been with you by your side, been through war two years, three years, and you can see this person's a great person. If um, if they say, hey, listen, what's next? You know, what can I, what can be for me? As the founder, um, I'm speaking, is it not hypothetically or just in general, um, as the founder you can say, all right, well, if that's what if that's what uh, you want, um, this is what we need to achieve. This is what you need to accomplish. If you accomplish that, the business grows with that, and we're producing this. Well, then you you've earned your then you've proven that you can be the owner, and you've earned that. And I think that's good because even sometimes business owners don't put money. Sometimes they do, but it does. I don't think it's necessarily important. I think if someone's with the business already, and um, they've earned their stripes and they've been, they, they've um, done what I just said, which was, okay, this is what we need to accomplish for you to get your equity. If you do that, you get it. That is buying in mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned, because you already know that person, you trust that person. They probably um, 
they're doing that year. They're setting that business up, and well, that I mean, that business wouldn't be there with without them. If someone's coming in, though, it's like someone's coming in to buy into a business, or like coming in, I want to be a business owner. Well, no, you need fucking money. You need some hurt money. Mm-hmm. You need you, you need to be putting something in. So there's also that two points of difference. It's like bringing business owners up through your company, starting from just normal employee through to leadership through, through the owner, but then also having complete randoms, which I'm obviously not the biggest fan of because we've never done that, but having complete randoms come in or people that haven't worked within the company haven't sacrificed, therefore you've got to sacrifice money. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So there's like all different weird ways to think about it. It is. It's anyway, so but to, to your story, <laughs> you came in, you wanted a marketing role. I said, what the fuck are you talking about? You don't know anything about marketing. Um, but I think you'd be great for our culture. You joined the team. You, um, you went into sales, which you had never done before. I think if you want to be an owner of a business, you need to understand sales because then, Dave, if your business isn't selling, your business isn't doing anything. Mm-hmm. So I think all business owners should do sales at some point in time and should excel at it. Um, they don't have to, it doesn't have to come naturally to them, but they have to understand how difficult sales is and how sales teams and structures and management works. And I think all business owners should know it. You then grew into part of the leadership team and now you're taking the next step with the launch of the of the next clubhouse again an essential piece of the company's growth is your involvement in it and i I think i mean as a founder i have no issue saying that because that's the reality and that's how companies grow Uh, especially companies that structured the way the way ours is in terms of um how personal it is and having the members and all the type of stuff and the different locations being spread out i think that i think that um it's been a tremendous uh, accomplishment on your behalf because also the, the other thing is it's you're fully self-made. Now, I can't say that, you know, but you're self-made. Yeah. You, you've, you've come in, you earned your stripes, you, you've proven everything, you, you, your blood, sweat and tears got you where you are. And I think there's a lot of business owners out there who, who relate to that, you know, who, who relate to that journey. So I, I think that uh, you're definitely an angel like I was describing, that as as a founder, um, and as are, as are the rest of the team. So anyway, it's just a beautiful story, and I think it's cool that the members um, hear some chit chat around that, and, and obviously the listeners. I always forget the listeners. I know you're there, listeners, and there's actually more of you than members. We know that because we've got a, more, a lot more listeners than members. So I love you, listeners too, but not as much as I love you, members. <laughs> um, and just to, to keep on the on the topic of um, of club of, of the new clubhouse let's talk about um how it's going to work in terms of access with the existing um membership base because a lot of the members are saying okay we're well, if, if we're a member of uh, sydney or melbourne pot sorry pots point melbourne or brisbane uh, we even have members in adelaide now which is kind of weird because we don't have clubhouse there but you guys out there we love you too um you know do we have access to these clubhouses. And th- this is a topic I actually want to speak about because as we launch more clubhouses, uh, I think it's important everyone everyone knows, particularly when we have more clubhouses in, in, in one city, so multiple clubhouses in one city. And how it's going to work, uh, just to answer everyone's question, is if you are a member of CUB, you are welcome in all the clubhouses. Right? You can go to those clubhouses. It is your home. It, as a club is a business family and the clubhouses are the meeting place of our family. It is the meeting place where we can come and we can feel safe and at home in wherever we are, in, whether we're in a different city or a different part of the same city, you've got that home and you're always welcome. What members will be doing, however, is members will choose a core club. 
And that is the club that you're kind of assigned to. That's the club where you do your core networking forums in. So if Potts Point's your core club, you do your core forums there. But if you're in the city between meetings, you need a space to work, you can use the CBD club. Or if you want to use the CBD club rooms, the, the by the way, these boardrooms are next level. When I say next level, I mean like if you have someone in there and you're going to do like a sales meeting with them or presentation, like they are signing and they're probably going to pay double price. So we should up the membership because <laughs> the boardrooms are uh, incredible. So you can do that, but your core forums are in that one club. So the club that your core, your core club is going to be the club that is the most accessible um, uh, for you to, 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 to attend. So that's how it's going to work. So everyone can celebrate because the more clubs we open, the more value members have. And the more clubs we open, the more communities we have. And the bigger the community is and the bigger the community is, the, the, more, value, the more powerful it is for each member. Uh, our community as a whole is so the, yeah the community as a whole is more, has more knowledge resource power and experience and, and and reach than any one individual member so the bigger our community is the stronger the, the more power we have to to be able to put behind and for, uh, each individual member to push them forwards so imagine if there's clubhouses in i mean we've had heaps of people trying to um get us to open a place in Parramatta. I just can't really be driving there. <laughs> it's pretty far, but but we are going to do it. Like, why not? There is great businesses and entrepreneurs in Parramatta. Manly, Manly always comes up as a, a, a as a place. Could even be North, we, do, we don't know. We don't know what's, what's going to, the future's going to lie. What I can tell you now is the CBD is open in October and all our members are going to have access uh, to utilise it. After the CBD is Brisbane, Brisbane, we are coming. We hear your calls. We get your your, your leads. Um, but we've got Bri- so we've got this clubhouse. We've got the the mobile app, which, by the way, is going to revel. It's going to be the next big social media, and I can guarantee you can mark my words, all listeners, mark my words, because I will not be wrong. It will be worth two billion dollars at the minimum, at the minimum, within five years from next year. So what's next year? 2022. 22. What's that? 27. Now that's too fucking far. I bet you it'll be quicker than that. That's at the minute. That's if I failed. That's if I fail. Cub and the app will be in Australia's first 10 ever unicorns. I think there's only two spots left. So I think <laughs> so we'll, I, I hope no one else does it. But okay, first 12 maybe. But but we will do that. Mark my words. If I am wrong, I don't care if you punch me in the face when you see me in the street and laugh. I don't care. We will not be wrong. That is what's happening. Uh, so that'll be the next big launch, the app. After the app, the thing after that is Brisbane, basically. Mm-hmm. That's that's where we're going. And and look, really, as far as clubhouses go in the community, our, our goal is to be Australia's brand and community uniting our country's entrepreneurs and leaders. And that means that we should have clubhouses wherever we have communities or members who, of whom own businesses and things like that, a place for them to come together, unite, connect, share, and, and help each other grow. So, um, I mean, we have big, big ambitions, like I said. It just gets back to what we're talking about. Got big-ass ambitions. You need owners. Mm-hmm. You need partners. You need people to help you. In months like this, which suck, like when the whole world stops – and, you know, all of a sudden people stop spending money and everyone's freaking out, teams freak out and, you know, the construction people can't work. There's all sorts of weird things happening. Trust me, it helps when you've got people around you that are partners that, that uh, support you and that not just do that. It's not just that. They do so much more than support you. It's not even about you. I just realized they 
push the team because the team still see them also. They see them as as one of them. You know, they've got a business partners. Like, you, would you say you've got a a, a more in touch perspective? of the team as a whole than I would, for example. Yeah, without a doubt, because the team looks at you as their boss and they, they always will. Um, they don't look at me as their boss and they shouldn't. And so the conversations that I'm able to have with the team, it's, it's probably very different to the conversations that you would have. But when they see you in times like this, pushing forwards po- with the positivity, with results and things, that motivates them as well because I'm part of this team. And if you want a winning team, you need that. Yeah, 100%. And I think it also, it sets an example of what's possible for them as well. You know, if, if, if I could come in, you know, I was a nobody in the business and grow to this point, then so can anybody else. It's not, it's not an unachievable goal. That's a, cool, that's a cool concept. It's actually showcasing the success stories. That's a really cool concept. It's kind of like as a business, how you'd have social proof and success stories of your clients. You mean like testimonials of your clients. Realistically... Yeah, if you want to build a badass team, you should have team success stories, like team testimonies, like I came in, I started with this, you know, here I am now, you know, I've done this. That's really important. We should do that, 100%. People need role models. People need something to strive for. to follow. And and, and when when, when you have somebody who has done something, you know, even when you look at, you know, celebrities or famous sports stars who came from nothing, it makes them relatable. You know, they were in that position once and they got to where they are. So why can't I? I had not, I have nothing. I want, I want, I want something. Yeah. It's relatable. And what I, what I think is cool is it's a path. And you know, this is actually a really cool topic because it comes up all the time. You know, people say, oh, I just want a path. I want progression. But a lot of the time, fuck, we're not IBM. Mm. We don't have fucking 50 jobs before you, before you hit janitor. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like that doesn't exist. Like smaller companies have flatter structures. And so people say, well, I want progression. I want progression. It's like, oh, do you want me to invent roles? Like what, what it, it's a different type of progression. And by having business owners, basically like with yourself, with like, like Anthony as well, because Anthony was before you, mm-hmm. then you, it's, it's kind of like, okay, here's a path. Yep. This is an example of the path that you can take. And, and this is an example of your progression. And the benefit of being in a fast growing, medium sized business is that, well, I, can, I have a bigger opportunity. You know, if you want to be in a big business with all the progression, you're all the progression in the world. Yeah, yeah, you move out from janitor to fucking closet manager. You're still a nobody. No one gives a fuck about you in the big businesses. Oh, you get, you're a cog. You, you pissed me off, say you're fired. I can mm-hmm. replace you. I've got the best ops manual in the world and you have, have no value to me. I don't care. You're a number. But in a medium-sized business or a small business, you have the opportunity to, to have that state, to say it's mine. You know, I, this business would not be here where it is today without me. Mm-hmm. And that's how you know you're an owner. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be here without me. 100%. And, and that's the opportunity with non-corporates. Yeah. I think it's important. And, and people should. If you've done this with your team and people have progressed into positions that they're proud to, you should showcase that not just to your existing team to motivate them, but you should showcase that to like, I don't know, if you do like job ads and in your recruitment process. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. Anyway. um, All right. We do have to wrap up. Uh, Callie, anyway, I'm super proud of you. I'm so privileged to have you um, uh, just in my life. And uh, you're certainly an angel for Cub. 
Um, do you want to say something to the listeners? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll say, obviously, the, the, you know, the opportunity for me is huge. I think, you know, I'm very appreciative for the opportunity as well and the way that it's, it's been presented to me in the, in the entirety of my time at the business. Um, and I know that, you know, whilst this was a goal of mine, it's just the first step to, to what we want to achieve in the long run. So, um, yeah, I'm hugely excited for, for what's to come. And yeah, as I said in the beginning of the conversation, I just can't wait to get in there and, and get started. We're just at the beginning, baby. Anyway, see ya. I hope you enjoyed the show.